Well, this morning I want us to continue with our message, our series on uh, the doctrine of prayer. God's Word is very clear. We are to pray without ceasing. We are to pray with thanksgiving for all things, in all things. That is the will of God for our lives, church, body of Christ, knowing that He is sovereign, knowing that He knows the beginning from the end, knowing that we can trust Him day by day, moment by moment, second by second, we can put our trust in Him. The interesting thing about this study, uh, from my my own study and getting into the Word, but also many of the things that you have said uh, to me concerning this study, is that there has been conviction, and praise God for that. That's what happens when you get into God's Word, and the Holy Spirit uses God's Word to bring conviction. There's been conviction about many of you have said, we need to pray more. We need to pray more. See, God's Word's very clear. Why we pray is because we are instructed to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And if we are going to walk in the Spirit, there is an absolute necessity that we need to do, and that is pray. Study God's Word, keep our nose in the book, and pray. Oh, by the way, we need to pray for Tammy. Uh, uh, Tammy Perdino, uh, she has what Joe, her husband, had. I, I'm not sure if it was COVID or not, but I meant to pray for Pat, uh, Tammy. So be praying for, for Tammy also uh, during your prayer time. But God, God's Word is very clear that we are to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And in order to do that, you better pray. That is the only way to, to do that. Uh, so the conviction has come that we need to pray. Pray as a church. Many of you said that much confusion has been lifted as we've discussed uh, prayer. Many of you said, why, why pray? If, if, if God knows the beginning from the end and He has it already worked out, why do we need to pray? Does prayer change the mind of God? That's an interesting question that many of you uh, have have asked, does prayer change the mind of God? Why, why does God want us to pray? And I can tell you this, it's not for His benefit, it's for ours. It's what prayer does in our lives as we demonstrate faith in our prayer time. What we are admitting, what we are saying is, Lord, we need you. We need to bring these trials. We need to bring these temptations. We need to bring these difficulties. We need to bring these situations before you, and you are the one that directs and gives wisdom to all of our decisions. But does prayer change the mind of God? We're going to talk about one of the most confusing aspects of God's Word when it comes to prayer. Because in one place in the Scripture, it says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will do it. And I know a lot of brethren will go, see there, see there, it says that. And where two or more are gathered together in my name, 
and you agree on anything, touching anything, it shall be done. And they claim those verses. I know many of the name it and claim it. You want something? You go to that big dispensary in the sky and you put your prayer quarter in and it's supposed to come because God's obligated to do it. Well, that's not so. And we're going to talk about that and explain why that is not so in this present dispensation, in this present time. As God deals with the church, the body of Christ, we're going to talk about the authority that we have in our prayer life versus the authority that the apostles had during the offer of the kingdom, what was available to them then, what is available to us now, based on God's change of program. You'll say, God does not change. No, He does not. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. But folks, His program has changed. His, how He deals with men has absolutely changed. And you may say, oh, I don't agree with that. How did God deal with Adam in the garden to begin with? In innocence? When God expelled him from the garden, had there been a change in God's relationship with Adam? Absolutely. Welcome to the world of dispensationalism. Welcome to the world in understanding that how God deals with man has changed since creation. And that Understanding that change, understanding God's instructions to us to rightly divide the word is also part of understanding prayer and what God is obligated based on his word to do as we bring these requests before him. Hoping this Bible study has brought clarification as we study. So conviction... That brought that. Confusion, I hope it's answered that. Clarification, I'm hoping you're going to get some more of that today as we look at God's Word. And that's based on rightly dividing the Word of truth. You know, when I think of the, the Scripture words where the Lord Jesus tells the apostles, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, He will do it. And we're going to look at two different verses where He says that. Today, during this present dispensation, does our request trump the will of God, the sovereignty of God? Absolutely not. I could have prayed, Lord, tell Courtney, no, she's not to go. That, my prayer was, Lord, tell her not to go. Courtney's prayer, fortunately, was, Lord, your will be done. You give me understanding. And so... By faith, we believe, we believe that. And as I mentioned last week, I am so thankful for so many unanswered prayers. So many unanswered prayers. I think my life's been a whole lot safer. But the conflict comes when you don't rightly, dividing, rightly divide the word of truth and understand what was going on when the offer of the kingdom, the proclamation of the kingdom was offered to Israel and those promises and those signs and wonders that were to accompany that promise as an indication that, the, that Israel's Messiah was there and the offer of the kingdom, the proclamation of the kingdom, then the offer of the kingdom, then came the rejection of the kingdom. Now the kingdom is in obeyance and, and all of those 
prayer obligations and that apostolic power and authority they had, it has been placed in abeyance until after the church, the body of Christ, is raptured up. See, under that John 14 scripture that we're going to get to in a second, but I want to bring it out now to make sure we have an understanding. I remember a time that Faith shared with me when she was a little girl. Her mama took her to a Pentecostal church, charismatic church, and the charismatic preacher was more of a name it and claim it and and you you have to you believe and it was a healing service and and the preacher presented a powerful message and when the altar call was given and by the way we don't have an altar call because we don't have an altar okay so the, the, an altar call during this dispensation is not an appropriate thing to have because we don't have an altar the sacrifice of Christ was already made anyway that's a whole other sermon we won't go into that but when Faye was a little girl, her mom and dad took her to a Pentecostal meeting, healing meeting, healing meeting. And the invitation was given, and so she came forward because Faye has bad eyesight. But then you already knew that because she married me, and I understand that. But she, she had bad eyesight, so she went forward to be healed. She wanted to be able to have 20-20 vision. So she went forward as a little girl expecting God to heal her. That's what the preacher had said. She just had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, and Faith knew she had that much faith. It took that much faith to by faith trust in Christ. So here was this little girl, the faith of a child. She came down, and she expected to be healed, and she came down at the altar, and you know what she did with her glasses? Fortunately, she didn't break them, but she set them down on the altar. And she left, fully expecting her eyes to be healed and her be able to see and have 20-20 vision. Expecting to wake up the next morning and going, wow. But it didn't happen. So they went back that next night, and uh, Faith told the preacher, it, it, my eyesight's just as bad. You know what that preacher told her? He didn't say, well, I must have a wrong doctrinal position on this. I must be falsely interpreting what the Scripture says, which would have been the right answer. You know what he told this little girl? You don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. How much faith would be required. I mean, give me a level. Give me a standard. How much faith? Is there so much faith for blindness? So much faith for hearing? So much faith for... for you tell me what it is. For so much faith... It, where is the standard? Christ gave the standard to them. If you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you say to this mountain, be moved, and that mountain is going to be moved. You ever seen a pump, uh, pumpkin seed? You ever seen a mustard seed? You can barely see it because it's so tiny. See, that's what the Lord was saying to them during that proclamation of the kingdom, during the apostles' authority. They were going to have that kind of power and might in their prayer life. All of the healings, all of the things that were taking place, it was a sign to Israel that the, your Messiah has come. Here's proof that it's 
he is here. You need to repent, Israel. You need to believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, that the promises of the kingdom where Israel is going to be that nation of priests, that they are going to have a ministry among the Gentiles, the authority, the power, the might that they are going to demonstrate is going to tell the whole world that Jesus Christ is God and you're going to have a ministry as a nation of priests. But he came into his own, his own received him not. See, that authority, those Prayer directions and instructions were strictly for Israel. Salvation was of the Jews. For the Gentiles, to, in order for them to be saved and to understand, they had to believe that Christ was the Messiah. But they didn't. They rejected him. And based on the scripture, what was next on the prophetic agenda was for the tribulation to begin. And it's during the tribulation that Israel is going to understand that Christ is the Messiah. It's during the tribulation that millions are going to be saved and believe that Christ is the true Messiah. And then the kingdom is going to start. But see, what happened instead of God's and the tribulations when God's wrath falls, instead of the tribulation started, instead of the tribula, uh, God's wrath falling, His grace fell. And salvation is offered to whosoever will let him come. It's no longer salvation of the Jews. Salvation is by believing, Gentile, Jew, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You believe that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. And by grace, not based on a covenant relationship, but by God's grace, he extends salvation to all who will but believe that he died, was buried, and rose again. That's gospel. That special revelation, that which was hid in God, was revealed to Paul, the chief of sinners. And we're going to look at what he says concerning our prayer authority here in just a bit. But there are many facets to prayer. There's the praise and adoration aspect that God calls us to just worship Him in praise and adoration and telling Him who He is. See, He already knows. Boy, He loves to hear His children tell Him that they worship Him. They know who He is. There's the praise and adoration. There's the supplication when we share our heart, our personal needs. We pour out our needs to Him. There's the petitions, that requesting. When we come before God like a, with a childlike faith, we bring these petitions before Him. So there's praise, there's supplication, there's petitions. But there's so much more to prayer than just asking God for things. There's the aspect of communing, communicating with Him, communing with Him, just loving Him, just recognize Him, for who he is. And there's nothing off limits. That's the neat thing about prayer. There is absolutely nothing off limits. Pray for your health. You pray for your safety and others. Pray for your meals. Pray for your family. Lift our families up before the Lord. We pray for the authority, those in authority over us, the government, 
Boy, do they need it. Pray as you travel. You pray for boldness, as Courtney shared a little while ago. You pray for wisdom. You pray for understanding. See, we proclaim that prayer works. We believe that prayer works. We believe in praying. We encourage people to pray. And the reason we do that is because that is a demonstration of your faith. If you're going to take these requests before God, you're saying, Heavenly Father, I know that you're Almighty God. I know that you can answer this request regardless of what it is. And He will answer your prayer. Might be no, might be not now. But regardless from Scripture, we know to give Him thanks for that answer, regardless of what it is. See, it's, it's an expression of faith when we take it to God. See, it's not a test, or it shouldn't be. Hopefully, it's not a test of God's power or his ability. See, I believe God can do all things. I think all things are possible with God. By the way, I believe in divine healing. That's the reason I pray. I pray that people are healed. I don't believe in the gift of healing in this present dispensation. I'm going to show you why here in a little bit. There's, there are so many scriptures. I don't believe in divine healing. I don't believe that Benny Hinn or any of these other people have a gift of healing. If they do, shame on them. I can take them to a children's hospital right down here and show them people they need to be healing. Don't waste your time in a great monstrosity building pulling the wool over people's eyes and lying to them. If you have the gift of healing, you better be out in the highways and the byways. You better be carrying that miracle ministry to where it's needed most where you'll never see them there. You'll never see them there. Because they do not have that ability. You know the ability they have? To fool all those people that are out there in the congregation. That's the ability they have to get rich. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon, too. See, we, this is not to test God's power or ability to deliver. We believe that with God, all things is possible. When God does not answer my prayer the way that I want it answered, that does not shatter my faith. It does not cause me to doubt God's power. See, when we pray and I pour out these petitions, these requests, my prayer is not my will, but thine be done, O Lord. Folks, the Lord Jesus Christ, you want an example? That was his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Even God himself, when he prayed to the Father, it was not my will be done, but thine, O Lord. And we know that it was God the Father's will that God the Son go to Calvary. See, I'm convinced that the prayers that I didn't, that didn't go my way, are just as much an indication of God working and directing in my life as the ones who were answered. Your will be done. 
Boy, that is an ex- that, that's a faith, faith acceptance. I had somebody say, well, that's just kind of a cop-out for you Christians. When you don't get your, your way or you say that God's all-powerful, but then you ask Him for something, whether it be healing when someone is on a deathbed, when somebody has got a serious ailment, and then it doesn't happen, well, God's will wasn't done. That's just a cop-out for you. Not at all. It's an indication of an abiding faith. Or is it an indication of, a vi- of an abiding faith only when our will is done, only when we get our way? See, think about it. If, if that happens, when we pray and poof, there it is, no matter what we pray for, boom, it, it happens the way we, we want it. You know what you're doing? You're walking by sight, not by faith. You're walking by sight, not by faith. God wants us walking by, by faith, not by sight. See, is my relationship with, and we're going to get in the scripture in a second, but I want to build up to this. I want you to understand, is, is our relationship with God based on the God of all creation submitting to us, to me, or is it based on me submitting to him? See, I think we've got it backwards sometimes. I think we look at God, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, as a big sugar daddy in the sky. And Lord, you owe me. You're going to answer to me. Well, I'm not. God does not answer to me. Let me tell you that. I answer to him. His will be done in everything. As we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Romans 8 tells us we don't even know how to pray. How in the world can I take my petitions and supplications before God when it's quite clear that I don't know how to pray? But praise be to God, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That rules tongues out too, by the way, but that's a whole nother sermon. We got three sermons already this morning that we're going to be able to follow up on. See, a lot of folks confuse who is Lord. And it's not me. It's not us. Who's the master in this relationship? It's not me. I know who it is. It is Jesus Christ who is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thy own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. We haven't sing that song enough, but that's exactly what needs to be our attitude when we go to God in prayer. And as I mentioned before, it's not just asking God for things, but it's communing with God. It's about drawing closer to Him. It's about enabling you to walk in the Spirit You say, all right, that's all good. But pastor, there are scriptures that say that whatever you ask in Jesus' name, that the Father's going to do it. And yeah, there are. There are. They're quite clear. Turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14.
Let's look at verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name. Now, who is he talking to here? The apostles. Okay, he, he's gathered the apostles unto him. The apostles are the ones he's speaking to here. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, wow, that's, that's quite a promise. Look at Matthew 15 real quick. I didn't give you this first. Tim, I'm sorry. Matthew 15, verse 24. I, I want you to understand Christ's earthly ministry was to Israel. Do we understand that? Do we understand that Christ Jesus came as a minister of the circumcision, and it was all based on God's prophetic promises to the nation of Israel to make them a nation of priests. Not that God is excluding the Gentiles, but the Gentiles' salvation and them coming to know who the true and living God is absolutely positively based on what the nation of Israel did concerning the Messiah. Matthew 15, verse 22 but he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The Lord Jesus was preparing the disciples for that tribulation that was to come. He was preparing them for the authority that they were going to need during that time. They, he understood he was going to be rejected. But he also was pointing out some of the things that were going to happen during the kingdom. Look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 23. And in that day, see, I think that's an important phrase. And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. But verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will do it. Wow. Take that to the bank if you were in the kingdom dispensation, if you were looking for the kingdom to be established on earth. And that's how Christ taught the disciples to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They were looking for an earthly kingdom to be established. The kingdom of heaven was at hand. That was all that Christ, that's what Christ came teaching that's what John the Baptist came teaching. We need to learn to separate, to rightly divide the word, understand the distinctions between God's offer, the kingdom to Israel, the promises that are to, and they will take place, the distinctions between that and the church, the body of Christ, and what he's working in and through today. And in order to, un in order to understand prayer authority, you need to understand that. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. Start with verse 18. 
Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That is a direct promise from God, but to whom? He's teaching the apostles concerning kingdom truth. And again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Is that promise for the church, the body of Christ today? Let me give you a hint. Absolutely not. And I can tell you this from experience because I've had people, well, I've had a lot of people ask me, but used to, there'd be an issue and a bunch of us would get together where two or more are gathered and if you agree, it's touching anything. So we'd get some people together and we would agree. And it wouldn't happen. But that's not what God's Word says. God's Word says that if you ask the Father anything, if two or more agree is touching it, it shall be given. Well, we must not have faith. But it says the faith of a grain of mustard seed. See, maybe it has nothing to do with the amount of faith you have. Maybe it has to do with rightly dividing the word of truth and being in the right dispensation under the right program and trusting God for what authority he has given you. I'm getting ready to tell you what authority that is. Look at Matthew 17. Well, that's, you know, verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove thence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Under the kingdom authority, under the kingdom program, as a sign, as a witness of the authority that the apostles and those followers of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth during that time had, those truths, if you don't believe me, just ask Ananias and Sapphira. What a demonstration of that authority. They're in Acts chapter 2. You have to rightly divide the word of truth. Oh, but pastor, the Bible says that we are to heal the sick. We're to cast out demons. We're to do all of that. I, I, I know we're to pray for the sick. And do I believe we're in a spiritual warfare? Absolutely. But look at Matthew chapter 10. Verse 8. Well, we'll start with verse 5. Matthew chapter 10, starting with verse 5. And these 12... Who are these 12? The apostles. Yeah, these, they, these are apostles. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Uh-oh, go not into the way of the Gentiles, and to any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. I'm sure God didn't mean that. Or did he? I think he did. I think he meant it. 
but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everything concerning that power of prayer and that authority depends on the fact that the kingdom of heaven was at hand and the signs and wonders that are associated with that so that Israel will know that the promised Messiah that all the prophets talked about and described, he's the one. And as you go, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. You don't want to tell that to a lot of preachers today. They're not going to follow that. Neither script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stays for the workman is worthy of his meat. They'll say, well, see, the Lord says that we're to heal the sick. We're to raise the dead. But he sent them. Who, who are they being sent out to? I just read it to you. To the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, it was go not into the way of the Gentiles. Look at Mark 16. I got, a, I got other scripture, but look at Mark 16. And the reason for all this is so that you know when you pray for something that's extraordinarily important to you, whether it be a loved one's health, whether it be a job situation, whether it be, it doesn't matter whatever it is that you take to the Lord in prayer, and it doesn't happen the way you've prayed it, I want you to understand you do not have that apostolic prayer. It's not for you to say, well, I guess I don't have the faith, or worse yet, God, you're not who I thought you were. That's, I want you to understand. But Mark chapter 16, look at verse 17, because I've had preachers say, well, these signs are going to follow. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, verse 16. But he that believes not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. And that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. That's exactly how they understood that what was being said was God's word, the message from God. They had the gift of tongues. They had the gift of knowledge. They had the gift of understanding. All three of those went together. But they shall, t and, and boy, they close the book right there. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Well, wait, then I, I, I open it back up and go, wait, let's read a little bit further. They shall take up servants, serpents. Uh-uh. Not me. They shall take up serpents. And if they, and I didn't realize it must have been a bad thing snakes back then, but they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover, not maybe recover, not perhaps recover. They shall recover. That's the authority that they have. 
I'm concerned when I take Tylenol that I may be damaging my body. Forget about drinking poison if you drink any deadly thing. I hate snakes. Poisonous ones will hurt you. Non-poisonous ones make me hurt myself. <laughs> that's the fact. So, I, you know, I, I read that I'm, you can take up serpents. I'm never going to take up a serpent. I'm never going to look at one close enough to know whether it's well, or dead or alive. I don't even want to get that close. And the, I'm not going to drink their Kool-Aid. That, yeah, that's, that's what our elders' meeting is all about. And they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. See, that's... That's under the kingdom program. Look at uh, verse 19. I need to keep reading. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. See, that's what the whole purpose was there. The apostolic authority specific for that kingdom program time. And it was underway. Under the present dispensation, under this church age, We do not have that authority. We've all tested it. Haven't we? Haven't we all tested it? Lord, you said if. Lord, we pray. Haven't we all been disappointed at times when we've prayed earnestly and we were so certain it was the will of God? We spent hours praying for Howard. We spent hours praying for everyone that God has called home. Heal them. Lord, can you imagine the testimony? Can you imagine the influence? Can you imagine the impact that it would have on this church if you would heal Howard, if you would heal Janie, if you would all of these prayer requests that we've made over the years? You know what I can't imagine? I can imagine Howard in heaven right now. I can imagine him going, oh, I am healed. I can imagine, I can imagine Marge going, Shh, no, don't pray for me. See, God's word says that the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. And I believe that by faith. I believe that by faith. Somebody says, well, what about James? Look at James. Oh, 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 oh. Let's save James for next week. Let's save James for next week. Because I do want to play a video for you. I, I, I think this video, it moves me every time. We're going to start with James. Because James says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And... Grab your oil and, and uh, uh, let's, let's do this. 
We're going to talk about that. But let me give you a hint. Who's the book of James written to? Israel. Boy, it would be wonderful if he were to tell us. Well, he does. So it, the Word of God is just so remarkably glorious, wonderful. It's there for us. We just have to study. We have to keep our nose in the book. Our marching orders, our prayer marching orders, It's found in Philippians 4. I'm not going to make you wait till next week, but we'll go into it more. What are our prayer marching orders? What authority can we take before God when we take our request before God and we pray for the sick, we pray for the needy, we pray for all these many needs? been praying for Alan. Alan just went through a surgery. Alan was having a difficult time. We've been praying for Alan. So what does God promise for the church, the body of Christ? To do exactly the way we want it. We've been praying for Sundar and his situation in India. The judge ruled in his favor one time. This time, he ruled not in his favor. So what do we do? We thank God. We thank God. What a... I, don't, I can't explain it, but I can thank God. So we could have prayed. If we were under the kingdom program, we could have prayed, Lord, you said we're to, if, if we ask the Father anything in your name, it would be done. Father, we're praying that that judge is going to rule in Sundar's favor. Amen. And we sit back and we expect it. We're not under the kingdom program. What does our apostle, the apostle Paul, tell us? Philippians 4, verse 6. And we'll go into this a little bit more detail next Sunday. But it says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Are you telling me God doesn't know? Well, yeah, He knows. But He still wants to hear it from us. He knows. Make your request. This is not a secret from God. He knows exactly what your needs are. But the fact that He wants you to make it known unto Him, that's for your benefit, not His. But let your request be made known unto God, and He will do it. It's not what God's Word says. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's real victory. That's God working. Sundar, do you have peace about what that judge did? See, that's answered prayer. Darlene, do you have peace about where God took Howard? See, that's answered prayer. Courtney, do you have peace about where God's called you? In Indianapolis? Oh, I don't, but no, I do. I really, we praise God for that. We rejoice with her over that. See, that's answered prayer. God provides us that peace that passes all understanding. See, I don't have the wisdom that I need to be able to pray and know exactly what God's will is. 
I am so thankful he does. And whether it's the health of my family, whether it's the, regardless, I can trust God with it. The most important prayer, I know we're going a little long, but the most important prayer is the prayer of a lost man. God hears that. Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. The most important prayer a person will ever pray is when they recognize they're a sinner, that they are lost, that they're on their way to hell. They deserve that, but God and His infinite grace and mercy has provided a way of salvation through Jesus Christ. And by faith they believe that Christ died for their sins, was buried, and rose again. When you come to a point where you can't bring anything to God, you, it's not your, except your sin and brokenness, and He takes your sin and brokenness, and in His grace and mercy and love, He exchanges it for His righteousness. No, but God, I want to bring you something. He says, you don't have anything that I want but your heart. I just, I want you to believe that my sacrifice was absolutely for you. I want you to be part of my body.